Would you turn with me to Revelation chapter 12? Revelation chapter 12, we're talking about the dragon of broken devotion. And uh, Edwin Cooper was famous across America, yet almost no one knew his real name. Coming from a family of circus clowns, Cooper began performing before audience when he was just nine years old. After a stint with the Barnum and Bailey Circus, Edwin Cooper became a fixture on television in the 1950s as Bozo the Clown. In addition to entertaining both young and old, Cooper had a message for his buddies and partners every week. Get checked for cancer, he said. Yet Cooper was so busy working that he neglected to follow his own advice. By the time his cancer was discovered, it was too late for it to be treated. He died at just 41 years of age from a disease he had warned many others to watch out for. Sin is far more deadly, writes this illustration, than the most aggressive and fastest growing cancer. Sin kills and destroys everything it touches. From the fall of Adam in the Garden of Eden until now, sin takes no prisoners. This is the purpose behind everything Satan does. Jesus said, the thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. Because of his evil nature and his hatred of everything good, the devil brings destruction to everything within his reach. When we regard sin as God does, we find nothing amusing or humorous about it. We will not make it the subject of the jokes we tell or those we hear. We will not allow ourselves to be tempted to get a little closer to the line to see if we're still safe. God hates sin with a holy and righteous fury, and so should we. When we find ourselves amused by sin, it's time for us to focus on the cross. Seeing the price paid for our sin reminds us that it's no laughing matter. And I want to look at a few verses this morning here in Revelation chapter 12, the last book in the Bible. And uh, we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. I'm going to skip just a little bit, uh, just as I'm, there's several characters in Revelation chapter 12. We've talked about the sun-clothed woman being Israel, and uh, just the, uh, how Israel as a nation has never been extinguished 3,500 years uh, as a nation, and uh, yet they still are a people group, yet numerous other people groups have ceased to exist throughout the centuries. And, uh, and it testifies to the promises of God. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 1, follow along with me as I read. There appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet. And upon her head a crown of twelve stars, and she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. Now, just for the sake of uh, time in chapter 13, just, I just want to give you a note on this. I won't talk about these ten horns and seven crowns and seven heads this morning. I will in a future message, uh, and uh, you'll understand. I'm just kind of giving some uh, overview, foundational things this morning. Nevertheless, verse 4, And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered. For devour her child as soon as it was born. And this is where Herod wanted to kill Jesus. And all the, he, you know, he killed all the boys, two and under, uh, in, in an attempt to kill the Christ child, the Messiah, as is celebrated oftentimes at Christmas time. Verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great, red, great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser 
of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, they loved not their lives unto death. And uh, therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath. Because he knoweth he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And Israel has been greatly persecuted. And then, verse 17, And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And you might be thinking, if this is the first time, or maybe reading this or whatever, what in the world is he talking about? I'm going to try to explain that this morning, and I trust. But uh, what we find here in this passage of Scripture, as well as in chapter 13 and 17, chapter 17 really does give us uh, a whole lot more on these seven heads, ten crowns, and all of that. Uh, And so I'll save that for a later message. But the red dragon here, I just want to make it clear, is Satan unequivocally, completely, and always a liar. In fact, Jesus would tell the religious people, the religious leaders, the priests and uh, scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees of his day, he said, ye are of your father the devil. The lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. He is a deceiver of the world, as we find in verse 9. Deceiveth the whole world. But as Christians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we must not be ignorant of his devices. We are in a world today filled with things called truth that are lies. All over our world today. I mean, there's politicians, they'll make grand promises that they know they can never fulfill. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, tells us, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his devices. Now understand this, not only is Satan deceitful, Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart, our hearts, the seat of your emotions, your will, uh, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? How many of you have ever become mad at someone over what someone might have said? And then when some more facts were known, you realize you got angry for no reason. Ever had that happen? There was some situation that happened that you got wrong details, you allowed your emotions to get all out of sorts, and then when truth was known, you realize, oh, oops, <laughs> I didn't really behave well. <laughs> you know? I know I've been there, done that. And, and that's the thing, is our heart, our emotions can deceive us. I mean, one minute, we can be on the top of a mountain as happy as ever. Something can happen, and boom, we're at the bottom. We're just like, ah! you know. Our emotions go up in like this. Our heart and our emotions can easily deceive us. And the words Satan spoke to Eve, Adam and Eve, Eve in the garden, they were false and built upon deceit and a breaking of the commitment to God. It says his words were subtle. Subtle. It comes in as something that's smooth, maybe flattering. Have you ever had someone maybe be, say something to you and you're like, oh wow, that, they're really nice, only to have them stab you in the back? You see, that's the deceit, trying And and it tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, and cunning craftiness, talking about false teachers, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. That word cunning craftiness in Ephesians 4, the, the context is verses 14 and 15, is skillful in subtlety, 
Have you ever had someone maybe sell you a vehicle or sell you something and they said, wow, this is an amazing machine or amazing vehicle, and then you get it and you're like, this thing's a lemon. They didn't, they didn't tell the truth. Man, they sold you on all the features and they probably you know, rigged it up so everything worked, but they knew as soon as you go down the road and the bumps start happening, things are going to start breaking. They're going to try to pretty it up. They're going to, you know, they're going to detail clean it. They're going to do all they can to get you to buy that vehicle that they know is a lemon. Well, they're being deceitful. You say, are there any problems? Oh, no, it's a wonderful vehicle. It served us well. I want you to know something. If we love God and we follow truth, follow and obey his commandments which are for our protection our joy our strength our peace our rest and our fulfillment john chapter 14 verse 15 if you love me jesus says keep my commandments and if we're obedient to god if we're committed to him but when we cease to be obedient then we are no longer committed to god and we are now following lies you see sin is a breaking of a commitment to god of a trust and reliance upon Him. And I'm and not only that, but a sin is also, it could be towards our fellow man, man or woman. I, I could be as I sin against them if I'm not dealing with them appropriately. And Adam and Eve were committed. They were promised to each other there in marriage and they were devoted to God with a perfect and fully surrendered commitment to Him. And sometimes there in Hollywood and Disney and others, they like to try to think of Satan as some red little devil with horns and a little pitchfork as an ugly little creature that really doesn't have much ability. But I want you to know right now that he is relentless in his pursuit to destroy. You and I, we, we need sleep. I know, at least I do. I need sleep. We get tired. We get weary. We get... You know, we just get wore out. The stress of the day can wear us out. But I want you to know in Job chapter 1, verse 7, this is my introduction here. I want, us to lay, I want us to think in our minds. Because as we think, if we know our adversary, you see, we are a body, we're a soul, and we're a spirit. There is a spiritual life that you and I have. When someone passes away, their body is here, but their spirit is gone. Their spirit is gone into eternity. And it tells us in Job 1.7, And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. He goes all over this world looking. Look with me at 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm just laying some, uh, some truths here. I, I trust uh, you'll follow along in the logic as I go along here. But you said, Pastor, why are we talking about this? Shouldn't we talk about Jesus? Just wait, we're getting there. But we have to understand that obedience to God is following truth. If you follow the truth that God gives us. Now, you might be saying here this morning, you might be thinking, Pastor, if I'm obedient, man, that is constraining. That's just like an animal being put in a pen. Now, I want you to understand, here's a God that made you. It made you in His own image. He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for you. 
He loves you immeasurably. If you have a child you love, you're going to try to put some protective barriers around them if they're young. Now, are you being an oppressive parent? I would say no. You know, as a young kid, uh, you know, yes, maybe you can have a little bit of ice cream, but you can't have the whole carton. You can't have a whole two liter of pop. It's not good for you and not good for your, your body and not good for your development and diabetes and all other sorts of things that can happen. I'm not going to let my daughter play out in the road unsupervised. She could get hit because I love her. I want to put some constraints. Our dog, we keep them inside. We have an invisible fence on our property. And they wear this collar and they don't go outside the boundary. I don't want them bugging our neighbors either. But, and several of you are neighbors here. But uh, I don't want them bugging the neighbors. You see, when I'm following God, God's given me some instructions because he says, listen, if you go outside of these boundaries, you're going to hurt. You're going to have some unnecessary consequences and you're not going to like it. You see, God's not trying to be an oppressive, heavy-handed God, uh, some deity that wants to make our life miserable. He says, I've given you some instructions. You don't have to obey, but please do obey, because if you do, it will be for your good. It will help you. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Just before this, in verse Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. God says, listen, I want to care. All the burdens, all the heartache, all the troubles you're going through right now, or have gone through, he says, cast it upon me. He says, I want you to follow me. Now, if I was to go into the bush... I am not well-versed in the bush. I would be a novice if I was to go in the bush. For several of you, you, you are quite experienced, but I'm not. If we were going to the bush, I would say, I'm following you. I'm going to follow you because I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to come to some obstacles. I'm going to come to some situations. I don't know how to respond, but you do. You've got experience. Why would I not want to follow the very God who created me He knows me and all of my weirdness. He knows everything about me, my fears to my joys. He knows all of that. Why would I not want to put my care upon him? Why would I want... That word sober there is in a mind. You know what? When someone gets super angry or someone gets super, uh, you know, maybe some intoxicating thing or, you know, I've had people that I've met outside, you know, they're on prescription drugs, and and they're just walking around like zombies. Whatever the case, they're not thinking clearly. You see, he said, be sober, be vigilant. You need to be on guard because there is a desire in his life, in, in Satan's heart and mind, to get us to believe error, falsehood, that which is not true. Lies. A roaring lion. Now, if you have a large herd of caribou, let's use that as there an animal up here in the north, and there's one herd, there's one caribou off by itself. It's prime picking for the wolves to come. Satan's waiting for us to get by ourselves to destroy us, devour us. And friend, this morning you must be determined and committed to God. Otherwise, we are following the deceptive and destructive path of Satan. Our world is deceived. 
I mean, there were things that happened during the COVID thing, whatever your position on it was, that literally did not make sense. But the outright worship of Satan in our day and age is becoming ever more prevalent. In fact, and I'll give you some statistics on this, many people, they worship Satan without ever knowing that they're doing it. We must resolve in our mind that God's Word is truth. And fully following Him who knows all about us. In the Christian life, we have the victory. We can have the victory over bad habits, addictions, and patterns of life that are at odds with God. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which is so easily beset us. Maybe there's something in your life this morning. Man, you keep falling. And you're like, oh, I guess I'm never going to get victory over this particular thing in my life. And I know it's wrong. I know I shouldn't be doing it. But I, I don't know how to get victory over this. And it tells us, and let us run with patience. You know, if you're, I've, I've run races before. It's been a few years, <laughs> as you can see. But it's been, a, anyways, when I'm running a race, I want to be as light as possible. I'm not going to put a 50-pound pack on my back ready to run a race. Unless you're doing something in the bush or something like that, right? But I'm, I, let us run with patience the race is set before. Let's put aside all that extra weight. I mean, when I'm there on that racetrack and I know there's water and refreshments across, you know, throughout the track, I'm going to be as light as possible. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You may enjoy pleasure for a season, for a night. Wow, let's go party it up. And then the next morning, maybe you're asking some friends and you're like, I did some things I probably shouldn't have done. I don't remember it. Some people have told me. You see, God is not impressed with just some religious practice that we faithfully follow. He is consumed with whether he has your heart, your affections, your devotion, your adoration. You see, we were created to be relational beings with God in a relationship with him. He doesn't want us just to go through, I prayed my prayer, I did this, I did this, I did this, okay, check, 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 check. That's not God. I'm telling you, in the, in the Garden of Eden, God made a way. Satan tried to break devotion, break commitment, but God is all about restoration. This morning, we find the, the, the dragon of broken devotion. I'm going to give some of the background on him, on Satan, and then I'm going to give some wonderful truths. But my friend, today, we are either being led by truth or we're following deceit. And I want to tell you, if you follow truth, you won't regret following Jesus. You won't regret it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I yield today to Thee. I thank you for being our precious Savior. And Father, I, I pray for each and every person here this morning. Whatever they're going through, whatever challenges and struggles and trials and tears, and Father, I ask this morning for them to find victory in truth. I pray that the Word of God that is spoken, Lord, would be penetrate our hearts, and Lord, we would follow you. If there's anyone this morning that's never accepted you as their Savior, never been born again, 
God, I pray today they'd call out to you to forgive them of their sins and be your Savior. God, you're so, you're so good. God, you've done wonderful things in many of our lives. And I pray, Lord, that we would see through the deception and we'd follow truth. I love you. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel chapter 28. And um, Ezekiel chapter 28. We find in the Revelation package, uh, passage, excuse me, it mentions him as a great red dragon. And uh, how great is his fall? He's the covering cherub, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You know, this little image of a little red guy wearing a pitchfork and some horns is a completely false concept of Satan. The Bible gives us a very clear definition of him. Now, I don't know about you, sometimes people will push off the spiritual aspect of life. I've talked with people and dealt with individuals in this very community, and they said, you know, I've got things moving around my house. There is a supernatural realm. I guarantee it. There is a supernatural realm that we have. You have a physical realm, you have a supernatural realm. And we are at physical battle, and there's also a spiritual battle. And the Bible gives us how to be victorious. I don't need to live in fear. I don't need to live in fear of these spirits. I can have the victory through the blood of the Lamb, as it finds there in Revelation chapter 12. In Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 11, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and saying, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of Eden, the garden of God, every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. And the workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. It tells us how beautiful, I mean, it says he has all, Satan was attired in all of these beautiful, beautiful gems and gold. I mean, he just, beautiful in glory. And uh, then it goes on in verse 14, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou wast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence and hast thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub. From the midst of the stones of fire, thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. And thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Satan is perfect in beauty. In fact, it was his beauty, the pride of his beauty, which would lift him up. We'll look at Isaiah 14 here shortly, but he was decked with all sorts. I mean, he is the most beautiful creature, excelling in music the top cherub to cover the Lord. Religious, as seen in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And you understand, Revelation chapter 13, excuse me, you'll find that they receive, he receives worship of man. But it was the Lamb who would defeat and 
reach past the lies and deceits to declare or condition or remedy. John 1, 29, the next day uh, John seeth Jesus coming unto him, saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. You see, Satan's desire, and I'm going to get here with this idea of where this is progressing in our world, but his desire is that you live however you want to live. You live in whatever rules you want to follow. He's okay with that. You live by emotion. You live by following your heart. Live by following your dreams. And I'll get there. I'm getting there. In Isaiah chapter 14, notice with me what he says to God that would lead to his downfall. We find more and more as we come, as our, as we come into the age, you know, as, as time progresses, television is getting more and more darker and there's more stuff about witchcraft and sorcery and magic and all of this stuff that is permeating our culture today. I mean, you can't watch a Disney movie without there being some sort of magic on it and all sorts of things. And you might say, Pastor, it's all innocent. It's just a white magic. But my friend, the power that comes from God or it comes from somewhere else. I've got to see what is truth and what is not. I want you to ask, ask you this morning, if how you're living your life right now, is it helping you or is it hurting you? Are you following the truth of God's Word or are you following your own ways, your own emotions? You see, if we're led by our emotions, we're not being led by truth. In Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? Thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation, the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. If thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. And he, he keeps on saying, I will be like. Here's the truth. The reason for his breach was he was no longer committed to God. A commitment or devotion to yourself and one's emotion over God is pride, and as just as Satan had, it results in judgment. You see, to, to Satan, his most important thing was his own will and his own happiness. And God wants to give us joy and peace, but he's told us how to get it. Satan's pride broke his devotion to the God, and the result was catastrophic. Satanism is fully embracing of your best self. Fulfill your dreams. Do whatever makes you happy. And I want to tell you, with such a situation as we find in our world today, it, and our world is going that direction. But our world, we find there's a greater and greater and greater mental health crisis. As the world pushes aside, away from God. Within Satan, there's a commitment or devotion based on what you're willing to accept as your own authority. Whatever you feel like, go with it. But the Bible tells us, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. And Jesus says, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. I was looking at something recently. I said, I wonder if there's any statistics to see if there's an increase as society all across the world 
And society gets further and further away from biblical truths and goes towards something else. Is there an increase in the formal, let's say, religion of Satanism? And there is. Some in this particular thing that I was looking at talks about candles and spells to enhance prosperity. People wanted to increase their money. And they'll do what is necessary to to gain a power of consumerism. In 1990, Trinity College in Connecticut estimated there were about 8,000 adherents of uh, of a particular Satan religion. That grew in 2008 to 342,000. And it's called Wiccan. Wiccan began to be practiced in America in the 1960s by feminists, environmentalists, and those seeking non-structured spirituality. The religion is individualistic. You can do your own thing. It's not signing on to an institutional religion. It's not signing on to a set of actions or beliefs that you must adhere to. If you believe it today, it's okay. Now, I want to tell you, society doesn't function that way. When you play a sport with someone else... I know as a little kid you do, you're maybe playing cards or you're doing something else, and someone says, well, yeah, we do this, and and my rule says you do this. How come you always win? Well, you make the rules, so you always win, right? If you make, you know, as little kids, we like, I remember I used to play cards, and we had this big glass table, and, uh, you know, I had this, we would play some cards, and the the cards would be all face down, and I'd look under the table, look at my, my siblings' cards, and, you know, and they're like, eventually they're like, you're cheating! Well, yes, I was cheating, you know? But I was trying to change the rules. I was trying to give myself an upper hand. Now, if you're playing hockey and someone's saying, hey, I I got a score. You didn't get the puck in the goal. I I scored anyways. I thought I did. No, you didn't. We saw it. No, I scored. If you're changing the rules, there's problems. right? There's some objective standard. I mean, when we're driving down the road, we drive on the right-hand side. Now, if I decide to drive on the left-hand side, when I'm, say, for the, I'm going down towards the library here on Cree Road, okay? So we're going down this way towards, and I'm driving on the left-hand side. I think we're going to have a problem. I'm really going to have a problem if a big truck is coming towards me. What if I believe I can drive on the, the, the railroad tracks, and I've got a train coming? Well, boop, 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 the train will stop for me. I'll just kind of, you know, no, you're going to have big problems, What I'm saying is there are some things that are objectively true. They change irrespective of whether I want them to be or not. And the Bible gives us some truths that are true irrespective of whether I agree with it or not. Whether you agree with gravity or not, there's gravity. And the older we get, if we fall, it hurts and it takes longer to heal. But Satan is all about embracing your imaginations. He's all about this idea of blending whatever feels good into your religious system. Genesis 6, 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. In Deuteronomy 28, there's a portion of verse 19, I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of my heart. There's no commitment. No desire. You know what? I, I... so often there's things, someone says, well, I don't still want to be a friend anymore. I, I, don't, want to, I, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. And, and you just kind of go with whatever your emotion is. 
it leads to a very chaotic life. And we find here in Revelation chapter 12, his tail drew, in verse 3, verse 4, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. When Satan fell from heaven, one-third of the angels were went with him. He had, great, he had great influence. He is absorbed with creating division, stealing one's commitment away from God, stealing your mind away from truth. Because if he can get you to believe a lie, he can be, then begin to lead you further. If you'll believe one lie, you'll go after another lie and another lie and another lie. And then you begin to find yourself at a position, you're like, how in the world did I ever get here? You know, someone maybe that starts in uh, some addiction, whatever it might be, an intoxicating substance, pornography, they start small and then these years go by, they get into something and they said, how am I doing what I'm doing now? I never would have imagined myself here. Because one deceit will lead to another deceit and another deceit. He thrives on conflict, anger, and a lack of commitment to Christ. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 10.5, casting down imaginations. How many times have you had an imagination that someone was thinking something about you, and then when you went to go talk with that person, they weren't thinking anywhere near what you were thinking they were thinking? If that makes sense. (laughs) Have you ever had that? Someone, you're like, I know they're thinking this about me. And then somehow you figure out what they're thinking, and you're like, oh, I was wrong. But it's in your imagination. Our imagination can deceive us. We've got to live by truth. It says, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I take every thought. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm not saying I do this. I need to. But I'm just saying, this is what the Bible says. This is what I'm working on, okay? But I take those thoughts and I say, does this measure up to the truth of the Bible? Is it true? Is it not? Well, it might be true, but now how am I to respond? How am I to deal with this particular situation? The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. With anger, many times it says you're opening a door for Satan to have influence into your life. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God, is James 1.20. Christ, now we do find, if you'll follow Christ you know, there's going to be division. Because when I, when I was on that marriage altar with my wife, I said, I do to her, but I don't to everyone else. I'm, I'm, I'm dividing myself. I'm saying no. When I said yes to Jesus Christ, and I said yes, I want to be his child, I'm saying no, I don't agree with anything else. I only believe in Jesus. And so there is division. The gospel does create division. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father by me. That's pretty narrow. But within those very promises, within that, that sacred relationship between you and God, in that relationship, if you accept Jesus Christ, died on that cross, and rose again for all the bad you've ever done, He took your place of punishment so you don't have to do that, so you can have eternity in heaven with Him. And he, but here's the thing with Satan. He still has access to God. In Job 1.6, now there was a day when the sons of God, this is, Satan's angels, came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And we find in this passage of Scripture that Satan, you know, he comes across, hey God, 
Uh, there's this guy, Job, and God's like, oh yeah, have you considered Job? Job's a, an amazing man. I mean, Job loves me, and Job's like, well, he only loves you because, you know, he's wealthy, and you protected him, you protected his family, and, you know, Satan's not victorious. He's already a loser. He's lost, but he's aiming to destroy as many lives as he can. There are lives all over our city, all over the north, all over our country being destroyed because of following lies. I mean, Satan sought to sow discord between God and Job. God, he only believes you because you, you know, you, he's, you know, he's wealthy. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not perpetuating the idea that if you're wealthy, you're godly. I'm not saying that at all. Because you could be poor, you could be wealthy, wherever in between you are. Your financial situation does not determine your relationship with God. I want to make that clear this morning. But, this is what Satan's telling God. He said, well, you've protected his house, he's got kids. And there in the book of Job, Job loses all of his children. He loses his house. He loses his job. And then his wife comes up, and then he gets sick. From the the top of his head to the sole of his feet, he gets boils. His wife comes up to him, and she says, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. She says, that old God thing. Yeah, right. He sought to breed discontentment between Job and his, his wife. Between Job and God, she's like, oh, God's not any good. Life's difficult. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? And all this did not Job sin with his lips. I want you to look, notice with me something else here in Revelation that he seeks to, to create this division. In Revelation, there's all of these lies in churches How many churches have you ever heard of that had splits or had other problems in them? Been there, done that, right? You've seen that. There's problems. Ah, this Christian said this to me. Ah! You know, people get all irate and, ah, you know, the whole gossip mill starts spreading and all this other stuff. They're believing lies. They're believing things that are creating such a divide and it's working for Satan's favor. Revelation 12.10, I heard a loud voice saying, In heaven now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren. I mean, he's constantly before God. Hey, did you know what so-and-so did? Did you know what Chris did? Did you see what he said the other day? Ah, he can't be one of your good ones. You know, there's all sorts of things. He's always accusing me and he's accusing you as believers. He's saying, hey, look at all the bad they do. Oh God, they're not really that good, you know. He's trying to create division. Make us feel unworthy of God. Put us at odds with our brethren. Destroying churches through division and quarreling. Destroying, seeking to destroy other Christians there in Revelation 12, 17. He sought to break the man's first devotion to God in Adam and Eve. You know, he sought with Adam and Eve and, and you know, he said, for God doth know them, they eat your then your eyes shall be open and you shall be as gods. Genesis 3, 5. He'll be your own God. You'll be in control of your own thing. You'll be in control of your life. You're now the master. Try to create that division between Adam and Eve and God. From the very outset, his desire is he would come in subtlety to believe a lie. And then, Adam, and that further division, 
Adam said, well, Lord, it's the woman you gave me. So now he's trying to create division within the marriage relationship. There's lies and things that are told. Whether we believe it or not, if we live contrary to God and in disobedience to Him, we are following the path of Satanism, which is do as you please. In John chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. For he that doeth truth cometh, cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are rotten God. Excuse me. If you're not doing anything wrong and you're driving by an RCMP officer in town, you're not going to be nervous many times over. But if you're doing something wrong and you're driving by an officer, you're kind of like, Ugh. I remember as a young kid, you know, I was always like, <laughs> guilty conscience, I don't know. <laughs> but here's the fact. In Jeremiah 7, 8, what Israel did as they would live their lives, behold, ye trust in lying words that cannot profit. I've asked many a people, and, and they're in some bad situations, I said, in your course of, I'll tell them, hey, this is what the Bible says. Oh, I know it's wrong, but, okay, well, if you know it's wrong, then it's a lie, and you want to follow a lie rather than truth. Is that correct? Yes, but, okay, well, you've made your decision. The only way to combat deceit, your belief system, if you have a belief system based upon your emotions, cultural ties, spiritual traditions, and not upon God's word, then you're in a constant state of change following different lives. If your belief system is built upon money, you'll be deceived when the valuation of money changes. If you follow materialism and the accumulation of wealth over devotion to God, then you're believing that a commitment and devotion to stuff is more important than God. If you follow your feelings and embrace physical, you know, this intimacy out of marriage and there's a love of self over love of God and, and, and God's desire, He's given us what He wants in regards to relationships and, and regards to how to love our neighbor and how to be good employers and all this stuff. If we follow our heart, follow our emotions, then we're following a path of a lack of commitment to God. And God's desire, it's not to like, oh, well, you've done bad, so you can't do right anymore. No, that's not God's desire. God's not like, oh, well, you know, some, some groups might, like, well, they're shunned. Let's give them the boot. Let's help them out. You know, let's give them the extra hard kick to make sure they're up early out. You know, they never come back. That's not God. That's not anything of God. God's desire. Satan will be like, ha, the accuser of the brethren, ha, you're no good. You messed up. You're worthless. All these sorts of lies that come into our minds, those are not of God. To destroy us, to believe lies. This whole idea of Satanism is you are the God, expression of personal liberty and freedom. Having to hasten here, but the Bible tells us rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. You know what? If you want to do your own thing, you're saying, God, I've got it. I'm going to follow my own path. And I'm not telling you the path that I'm telling you. I'm saying, you look at the Bible. This is the authority. Not what I'm saying. You, you look at the Bible. This is the authority. You see, rebellion is applauded, it's praised, rejoiced in movies and TVs and society at large. But I want, you to tell, I want to tell you, years later, many of those who go that way, they either die young, they have a lot of heartaches, they have a lot of problems. You look at Hollywood today. Yes, they've got money. But there's constant upheaval in relationships and children problems and all sorts of things. 
And the adversary is waiting to destroy. And Israel's crime in Jeremiah chapter 7 was trusting in lying words. They followed the doctrine of devils. They followed what they wanted to do. They followed money. They followed uh, you know, the Canadian dream of being wealthy and entrepreneurial. And You know what? Satan has deceived the whole world. It says, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. That word blind is to the mental discernment. You know, I, I've talked with, have you ever had someone and, and, and maybe they haven't accepted Jesus Christ? I'm like, I don't understand this whole Christian thing. And then maybe when you, when, remember when you accepted Jesus Christ? I mean, you started to read the Bible and you're like, I never saw it that way before. The Bible comes alive. Satan's desire is to give a smorgasbord. Believe whatever you want. Why are there so many religions in the world? He's okay with religion. He's religious. But he doesn't want you to the truth of Jesus. Do you realize even in in the tribulation period that's coming in the future, there are people that will cling to their idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, worship devils, wood, but they would not repent towards God. Israel was willing in Jeremiah 7 to believe entirely false truths. Yet they wouldn't believe the very God, they wouldn't believe the very words of the God who delivered them from Egypt from all the bondage and slavery they were in. They'd listen to the words that would make them feel good. They'd listen to these preachers that would say, Oh, peace is coming. All this good's going to come upon your life. But selfish living is false living that is following lies. Carnal living is living by a lie. You see, sin always brings forth death. It's a commitment to a lie and not truth. A commitment after another. You know, one commitment after another commitment after another commitment after another commitment. Where are you going to be satisfied? Where are you going to have that peace and that joy within in your life? You see, Satan coaxes one into offerings and spiritism, but God wholly rejects these things. And God's greatest desire is He wants your heart and your affections. He wants people to love Him. We're made in His image. We like people to like us. I don't know about you, but I do not like people getting angry at me. I I don't like it. I mean, I just like, you know, you say something, they're like, ah! You're like, ugh! I don't like people being angry at me. I, I think most people are like that. Now, I'm not going to compromise, but at the same time, I'm going to do what I can, if at all possible, to avoid making people angry at me. In the same way, I'm, I, want, I don't want God angry at me. I want His heart. He wants my heart. The devil wants people committed to Him. Or committed to whatever your concept of life is. You see, obedience to God is a love of God. It's very abhorrent to Satan. This great red dragon, as he draws a third of the angels of heaven with him, he's about destruction. And my friend this morning, as I'm drawing this to a close, Jesus said, I'm come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. What you follow is either truth or a lie. And there will be consequences of what you're following. 
Someone might, and, and you say, well, not everything can be true or false. Let, let me give you an example. If I, many times we follow, you know, I'm going to be a, the greatest hockey player ever, okay? I'm not. I can't even skate in hockey. I mean, I can skate, but I can't do a puck and coordinate. I, I just can't do it. I don't have those coordination skills. I'm 41. I pro, uh, yeah, it's not happening, okay? But, I mean, I could believe it. I'm, you know, I could go out there and work hard and, and, you know, try to make it into the NHL, but probably they're going to say, well, you're too old. You know, most of those guys, they're young. And, and I might tell you, I'm going to be the greatest. And your pastor, you're crazy. You're plumb out of your mind. Yes, I am. You know, I'm going a path that is not reasonable. I can believe it with all my mind, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Someone might say, well, I'm going to go party the night up. Have a good time. Tomorrow will be great. And tomorrow, after you've partied the night away, you've done some things, and you're like, ah, I shouldn't have done that. I know I need to stop this. You went with a hope of some, some consequences, of some result that didn't pan out the way you thought it would. And maybe your life has gone a direction, and you're like, it's not turning out the way I thought it would. Maybe you're following some lies. And we don't like to call it that way. Well, I'm not following lies. How could I be deceived? If Adam and Eve were deceived and they were perfect, you and I can be deceived. Let me give you a commitment, uh, an illustration of commitment and unfailing love. There was a un- very unusual military funeral in, Cal- in California in December of 2013. Sergeant First Class Joseph Gant, who fought in both World War II and the Korean War, was laid to rest. He had been captured in Korea in 1950 and died the following year. But his body was not returned for many years, and his death was never confirmed by the North Koreans. His wife, Clara, waited for decades for her husband to come back. She regularly went to meetings with government officials seeking information about what had happened. Clara even bought a house and had it professionally landscaped, so all Joseph would have to do when he came home was to go fishing. She was 94 years old when his remains were finally brought home for a military funeral with full honors. It wasn't the homecoming she dreamed of, but she finally knew his fate. Clara told the reporter who interviewed her, they told me if anything happened to him, he wanted me to remarry. And I told him, no, no, here I am, still his wife, and I'm going to remain his wife until the day the Lord calls me home, she said. Love, true, godly love, is not temporary, transient. Love is a commitment that is meant to last. Love is not based on everything going right or always being happy. Love is not an emotional feeling, but rather a choice of the will. Casual commitments do not produce a foundation for deep and meaningful relationships. Instead, we should love others as God loves us with an unfailing love that never ends. End quotes. God doesn't give up on us. Have I followed lies? Absolutely. Can I be easily deceived? Absolutely. But the only way to determine a lie from truth is this book. How do I love people the way I should? This book. How do I tell if, if, if something's going to happen? This book. Because the God in heaven who made me, he loves me, he loves you with an incredible love. As an enemy of his, he still goes to that cross, he still dies. That you and I can be his child, that's unconditional love. And the truth is, you're valuable The folly of living according to lies is to leave off a devotion to the one who loves me more than anyone else. 
Satan's desire is to destroy as many lives as he can. And many people might want to just give you a positive message. But if I only tell you good things, but I never tell you the bad things. If someone always tells me, you're the greatest hockey player ever! Woo! And other people look at me like, I don't know what that guy sees, but he's clearly blind. If I only tell you the good, but I never tell you what God says, never tell you the truth, you're not going to improve. You know, I could be out there playing hockey and someone came up to me and they said, well, here's some fundamental things that you need to do. And I have a lot of fundamental things I need to do with it. But anyways, you know, here's some things to, to work on. Here's some truth to correct my life. God's desire is to give us truth to correct our lives so that we can know the rest that He wants to give us in our lives internally. I'm not saying you won't have troubles and struggles, but He wants to give us a rest internally. God's promises are true. They're unfailing. False doctrine is not just another way. It is a lie. If you compromise truth with error, it's still error. If I could say north is that way, you're thinking you're kind of crazy. <laughs> That's not north. Or maybe, I don't know, something like that. North, northwest, I don't know. I'm totally confused here. <laughs> but nevertheless, I could give you a direction and say, well, it's, it's, it's this way. Well, yes, it's this way, but what way? Directly. You know, if I just kind of give you some bland answer, that's not going to help us. The Bible's desire is to give us clear direction. Have you ever had a boss tell you to do something? He said, just go get it done. How am I supposed to do it? Well, you figure it out. You know, you just look in with a, you know, a blank stare. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> I've been there too many times, you know. And you try to figure it out. Ah, that's not how you should have done it. Well, you should have given me instruction in the first place. The truth is this morning, and I'm done almost here, we must resolve to make a commitment to God and His truth over following our hearts and feelings. Our feelings can deceive us. But if we know what the Bible says and we do it irrespective of our feelings, we honor God and God fulfills His promises. God's desire for all of us, follow truth. Find the truth, follow the truth. As we come to the time of invitation this morning, can I have Mrs. Pat come forward, please? I know I've gone longer than I usually go this morning, a little longer message, but there is someone out there waiting to destroy your life. Yes, we make our own bad decisions. There's a lot of temptations to follow the wrong path. You've got to determine what is the path of truth. And I say it's found in this book. It changed my family. I had grandparents Hard alcoholics. Grandpa was very unfaithful to grandma. All sorts of problems. The gospel came and changed my family. It changes. They began to follow the truth of God and it forever changed them. Christian, today I trust that you would say, okay, I'm tired of living my life by just my emotions. I want to see what God says on how to live my life. I'm tired of running the rat race of up and down and all this roller coaster. I just want to know truth. And I'm not saying your emotions won't go up and down, but I am saying, you know what? You're going to settle it today. I'm going to make the foundation truth. That's what I want to follow.
And the Bible will lead you into all truth. Not what I'm saying. You look at the Bible for yourself. If you need help, I'd love to meet with you. But if you've never had that foundation, your foundation must be Jesus Christ. Accept him as you're a sinner. We're all sinners. We've all done bad things. We know we all do bad things. We say bad things. Jesus came to die. Forgive us of all our sins and be our Savior. As the music plays this morning, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, this time of invitation, if you're unfamiliar with it this morning, just time to pray. If, As I was preaching, maybe internally, uh, in your heart, in your mind, in your thoughts, began to think about something you need to do. There might be God saying, hey, you've never been saved. You've never become a Christian. You've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. And maybe God is convicting your heart. I, I need to accept Jesus this day. Or maybe as a Christian, there's some things in your lives and you're just following emotions. You're following, going with whatever and anger and frustrations and begin to follow lies. And today you've resolved, you know what, I just need to see what the Bible says on how I need to live and I'm going to follow truth. You know what, God never leads us in a bad way. Yes, there may be struggles and trials, but he promises to be with us. My friend, you too can know the truth. This book, God's Preserved, help us. It's not there to harm us or put us in a little box. It's there so we can know the God who created us. Just a moment longer, if you'd like to talk about anything afterwards, feel free to see me, and I'd be happy to pray with you or chat with you however you'd like. But the danger and the dragon of broken devotion. Broken devotion is to follow lies, not truth. And I trust today you'd, follow, you'd make a commitment, I'm going to follow truth, as the Word of God says. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this day. Lord, I know I dealt with some things that are a little darker, but Father, at the same time, as Revelation 12 tells us there, and they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb. Lord, it's Your shed blood on that cross that gives us the victory. The truth is we're all guilty. The truth is that you want a relationship with us. You don't want us just going through some religious exercises. But you want the real relationship. A spiritual relationship. Our spirit connected with your spirit. And Father, knowing what it's to be to know you. And Father, we know that through your word. Lord, I love you. Thank you for this day. God, I thank you that I don't have to fall into the trap of deceit, but Lord, we can know the truth, and I know that I do fall, and every one of us does. Father, help us to get back up, look for truth, and to follow it. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. God.